Hello, and welcome to the Responsive Family Sleep Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Hawley, holistic sleep coach, lactation consultant, peaceful parenting educator, and mom. If you've ever felt overwhelmed by all the conflicting sleep info, frustrated with sleep information that just plain felt wrong, or searched desperately for a truly gentle and responsive sleep approach, then you are in the right place. In each episode, we'll be answering your most pressing baby and toddler sleep questions, busting those sleep myths, and helping you understand truly developmental, biologically normal baby and toddler sleep plus encouraging you to trust your intuition along the way. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back. Today we are talking about the myth of self-soothing, right? Do you need to teach your baby how to self-soothe? What does that even mean? Are they even capable of it? And why in the world do we hear so much about self-soothing from the sleep world? I hear this all the time from parents, this idea that they have to teach their baby to self-soothe and that it's coming at them from all angles, right? Social media, their friends, their family, sleep accounts, Google, and their pediatricians. And I feel like I'm going to rag on pediatricians here just for a moment. And I don't mean to because I love pediatricians. I have myself have had wonderful pediatricians for For my kiddos who did not say this kind of stuff to me, and I know I have many clients with amazing pediatricians, but it does seem to be a really common piece of advice that pediatricians are often sharing that we need to teach babies to self-soothe. I even had a a parent I was talking with, and she's definitely not the only one, but saying that her pediatrician at their nine-month appointment for their baby said that if they did not sleep train, and teach their baby to to self-soothe, that they were actually hurting their development and their long-term emotion regulation. And that's like, wait, what? Right? What? What is this? Um, No. So I think that that might be an extreme example. And I think a lot of parents get more subtle messages, but maybe a lot of you are also getting really blatant fear-based messages just like that. So we need to unpack this a bit because self-soothing is often something that goes hand in hand with sleep training and ignoring babies and leaving them to cry. And it is often presented in ways that have a lot of fear-based, like you have to do it now or you're somehow missing out on some vital skill. So what does that mean? How do we dig into that? And what should we be doing with our babies if it's not teaching them to self-soothe? So when it comes to sleep, we hear a lot of self-soothing and we also hear a lot about self-settling. So I want to just address these terms first before we dig into self-soothing a bit more. So self-settling in the sleep world is really speaking to a baby being able to drift off to sleep without support. And so that could be at the beginning of the night. It could be a brief awakening overnight and babies just able to settle themselves back to sleep, right? This is not a stressed baby. This is a calm baby that just does not have any needs in that moment and does not need support. Self-soothing, if you really think about the word, means to calm yourself, to soothe yourself. So if we take the, the term 
as it's as it's said, like with the words used, it means that we expect a baby to be able to calm themselves down. And then because we are talking about the sleep world, calm themselves down and go to sleep independently. And there are so many layers of problems with this concept and this statement here. But in theory, we're talking about a baby that can go from stressed to calm, right? That is what calming yourself, that is what self-soothing means. Now, this is really messy, right? This is messy because we do also interchange the terms a lot in the sleep world. I say we as in the broader sleep world. And it's messy because the idea of self-soothing is so integrally tied with things like cried out and sleep training and limiting your response or ignoring your baby's crying or communication and not somehow magically going to teach them to self-soothe. Except it doesn't, right? Like it just doesn't in any way, shape, or form. And the most fundamental reason is that babies cannot self-soothe. They are not capable of calming themselves down. That is absolutely 100 million percent developmentally not possible. And so, yes, you know, you might have a baby has some very primitive, like calming things, right? They look away to, to, settle after something that might be a bit overstimulating. Uh, some babies naturally do suck their their fingers or a pacifier, of course. But these are really, really primitive, basic, reflexive, maybe that's a better word, ways of handling very minor bits of distress. If we're talking about a crying, really upset baby, they cannot calm themselves. It's not possible. They don't have the brain development yet. They don't have, you know, the integrated areas of the brain mature enough and able to communicate well enough to calm themselves. So we have a problem there <laughs> on that level. And so before I talk more about that, I want to kind of back it up and where did we even get this idea that babies could self-soothe? Like if I'm saying developmentally, brain development wise, you know, neuroscience wise, it's not possible, then why is it so pervasive? So there's a whole historical narrative around babies being independent and responding to babies, spoiling babies. And, you know, if we respond, they'll never be independent and that they should not need us. Right. And, and there's this whole narrative over the last 150 years or so, uh, around that. And so you can see the ideas around self-soothing in that narrative, right? In this independence is best, hyper focus on independence, um, responding, affection, you know, coddling, spoiling, all those kind of, um, interconnections throughout history. And then we have, uh, some research done in the 1970s by Thomas Anders that actually uses the term self-soothing. Now, this study was an observational study. It noticed that some babies wake and they cry, and some babies wake and they don't cry, and they're able to put themselves back to sleep. And so he called them the signalers and the self-soothers. So the babies that cried were the signalers. The babies that put put themselves back to sleep were the self-soothers. Now, in no way did this research say that those babies had a skill 
Like he wasn't saying, oh, those babies have the skill to actively calm themselves and here's how you teach it. It was really just an observational label. And I think you could argue that this this study is speaking more to temperament than anything else, right? Some babies need less. Some babies need more. Some babies are more vocal about those needs. Some babies just aren't. And so, of course, we get different behaviors, right? And we get different communication and needs around sleep. The thing is, we do want babies to communicate their needs around sleep, right? If your baby wakes and they're hungry or they're uncomfortable or they need some connection and support, you want them to communicate those needs to you. And so those babies who are those signalers are going to need more from you at night. And that's not a bad thing. It's not necessarily an easy thing, but we want those open lines of communication versus the babies that are not signaling, right? The quote unquote self-soothers, they didn't have needs in those moments or they weren't strong enough to, to bring them awake enough to, to signal for those needs or to need support. I think it's really important to acknowledge that those needs are going to be there whether we respond to them or not. We don't stop needing things or a baby doesn't stop needing things just because their parents ignore their communication. And so when we think about like, okay, what do we teach when we're supposed to be teaching self-soothing and and ignoring a baby's cries and then all of a sudden they're quiet and they're going to sleep? What does that actually teach? It's not calming skills because A, right, we've established a baby isn't there developmentally. They don't have the brain development to self-soothe. And B, no human really learns healthy coping skills when they're being ignored and they're disconnected from support. That's just not how anybody learns anything well, because we are meant to be interconnected. We are meant to have emotional support from our community. So your baby can't lay there, right, rationalizing, oh, I'm safe, right? My my parents are in the next room. They hear me crying, but they know I'm safe. I'm good. I can just calm down and go to sleep. Like, no, (laughs) they're not developed enough for that. They don't understand why we're not responding, and they don't understand why we're not coming to them. For that kind of self-talk, right, we'd have to have a pretty developed rational, logical part of the brain that's pretty integrated and connected to the emotional part of the brain and the ability to not lose that connection with the amount of stress that is being experienced. And that is not something that babies or toddlers are capable of doing. So how do children learn to calm? How do babies and toddlers, how do we lay that foundation for calming? Well, We do it by helping them calm down, by having them experience actively being supported and calming, by being calmed in the safety of their relationship with you. So that looks like what's called co-regulation, which is where um, their immature nervous system borrows our mature nervous system and our calm to help them calm back down and get to a a state where they feel safe and secure and and calm in their body. It looks like modeling, right? And it looks like doing these things over and over and over millions of times over the early years so that we are helping their bodies build the, the circuitry for a healthy, resilient stress system. We need to build those brain connections. We need to help their stress response system all 
have that capacity um, and we lay that capacity down, we lay the foundation for it in these babies and in these baby and toddler years in the ways that we do respond to them. So ignoring needs in these early years doesn't make them go away and it doesn't teach them the experience of being calmed. And it can lead to you know, pushing those needs away, ignoring them, suppressing them, and having more reactivity around them long term. So we're doing actually really important work when we nurture and we respond to our baby's distress because that's the foundation for their regulation skills as an adult. And that's how they learn to be okay with their uncomfortable, big emotions. So children start getting some of these regulation skills around the preschool years, right? They begin to emerge. It's not like a switch that flips, right? It's something that gradually emerges. And it's something that continues to emerge throughout childhood and into, you know, in through adolescence and into early adulthood. So as our kind of rational, logical um, part of our brain matures um, and is hopefully healthily integrated with our emotional part of our brain, these regulation skills get stronger. And we can, of course, model and teach and support our kiddos as they grow to develop good regulation skills. But expecting our baby and toddler to do it all on their own isn't helpful and it's not possible. I think it's also helpful to think about this from an adult perspective. When you've had a really bad day, right, you are really upset about something, would you like it if your partner was like, nah, you got the skills, you you need to deal with it on your own? Like, that would not feel good. So even as adults, we need co-regulation. We need another calm adult to support us when we're really upset and, and help ground us and help us work through it. And so if we as adults need that, I mean, of course, our children need that. They are more immature right? They don't have all those developed skills and that brain development um, and coping mechanisms and life experience that we have. So what happens when you don't get it right, right? That's going to happen. No one's perfect. We can't respond all the time. And so a piece of, you know, supporting that healthy emotional development with your kiddo is to repair when you don't get it right. Um, when you just naturally miss attune. You're, you're unable to respond. You're unable to meet that need for any number of reasons. And then we just reconnect afterwards, right? We reconnect and reestablish that connection and, and move on. And, you know, that looks really different from a baby who might just be a snuggle and a nurse and, oh, baby, I'm sorry I couldn't get to you. Versus a toddler or an older toddler where you might be talking it out with them a little bit because they're going to understand the language and maybe you can give a bit of context. So when we hear this idea of self-soothing, right, I think it's really important to remember that we have learned a lot about the stress system and about neuroscience in the last couple decades. And what we have learned all really points to babies are not developmentally capable of self-soothing. Toddlers are not capable of self-soothing. And what they really need to long-term have that healthy regulation, healthy emotion regulation, the healthy ability to calm themselves is nurturing and responding and co-regulation and support. These things are what build that foundation. So self-soothing. When it comes to sleep, a calm baby 
may need support to fall asleep or a calm baby may not need support to fall asleep depending on sort of where they're at in their sleep development, their temperament, what their body needs in that moment. But a stress baby isn't going to sleep as well. And a stress baby needs a parent to help them calm down. And you know, this is, is a little bit where like knowing your baby makes a difference, right? Every little teeny tiny noise does not mean your baby is stressed, right? Babies make noises in their sleep. And some babies do even cry out in their sleep and they're not awake. They're not signaling you. So there's nuance in the sense that every single solitary noise your baby makes is not a distress signal. But if they are truly distressed, then supporting them back to calm is going to help them sleep better. It's going to help their sense of safety and, and nurturing around calming. And frankly, you know, a, a baby that escalates more is a, is a baby that's going to be harder to calm down and get back to sleep. So I hope this whole conversation helps you really let go of this idea that self-soothing is this magical thing that's going to happen as a baby that, that you need to be working on. When what you really need to be working on is helping your baby feel safe and secure around sleep, you know, meeting their needs in balance with meeting your needs and knowing that that regulation, that self-soothing, that's that ability to, to, to calm yourself is something that comes with maturity. Um, and it comes throughout childhood and it's an ever evolving skill that even our big kids need support around, just like we as adults also need support around it. So let's throw out this self-soothing myth. Let's call it out for the outdated kind of BS that it is and know that we have so much evidence as well as just common sense on our side that babies need help to calm down and ignoring them isn't going to help them do that. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this episode left you feeling more informed confident and encouraged on your sleep journey and just a reminder before you go that nothing in this episode is individualized to your specific sleep situation nor is it to be taken as medical advice take what resonates ignore what doesn't and check with your healthcare provider about any medical concerns take a moment to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss an episode Take a moment to rate, review, or share an episode you love on social media. All of that helps parents just like you find me, this podcast, and this gentle and responsive sleep information. I'll see you next time.